0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant that makes the Stuff You Should Know, the college football edition. Yes, our first
0: sports cast ever. Let's think. We've never done it, dude. Really? Yeah, because I've always kind of wanted to, but then I thought we'd be, you know, excluding anyone who's not a sports fan. But we get a lot of sports fans who say you should do this, so we'll, we'll throw them a bone here.
1: Seems like we need some sort of um, heraldry, like... I could keep going. I so wanted to sing Final Countdown. You just you sad, I was literally like stopping myself. Well, now we have to pay a royalty, since you named that tune, buddy. Nah. Oh, but before we get started, let's plug fest our um college tour.
0: Yeah, we're gonna do. Uh, it's not exactly a college tour, but it is just the oh st- yeah, a, that's right a trivia tour. It
1: was. Uh, it's a national tour,
0: but there's colleges in these places where we're sure. going.
1: Yeah, we're going to do um, anywhere between five and seven cities. Yeah, winding up in Austin, as far as I know. Yeah, um, and we're kicking it off October 13th, which is a Wednesday, in Atlanta, GA, which yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Just down the street, we're actually in it right now, some would argue we kicked it off in New York, yeah, you could definitely make that case, so and New York brought the goods, yeah, Atlanta, we'll, so. we'll, I wonder if Atlanta will bring goods similar to New York,
0: I hope so it's, and and I'm talking to you too Birmingham and uh
1: Chattanooga, well, definitely, and what else is close? um Charlotte's not too far off, Asheville's yeah. three hours. Yeah. Asheville's got no excuse. And we're not coming to Asheville, so (laughs) this is your chance. Well, that's the beauty about the Southeast. Just go to Atlanta and everybody drives. You just know you have to drive if you're in the Southeast. Nobody
0: from Florida is welcome, though.
1: No. (laughs) You'll be turned away at the door. Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that's going to be October 13th, which is a Wednesday. Uh, I'm almost positive it's going to be at Five Seasons Brewery, Brewing Company. Yeah. On the west side. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so it's a cool scene there up on the roof. Yeah, it's we'll, awesome. We'll be throwing more details up on Twitter mm-hmm. and our Facebook fan page. Yeah. stuff you should know. Yes. And our Twitter feed is sySK Podcast in case you want to follow us. Um, and Chuck, I guess it's time we should get to football rankings, right? Yeah,
0: this one, uh, we should just go ahead and say that the article for this one <laughs> on our website is a little out of date. Mm-hmm. And college football in the BCS is ever changing. So I kind of expected that it wouldn't be, you know, really up to date. It's changed
1: a lot over the past, uh, six years. It's changed a lot over the past six minutes. Yeah, it has actually. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, it's my, you know, we're gonna do our best here. Uh, Not only that, if you thought the uh, Quantum Suicide podcast was hard to follow... I know. Buddy, get a pen and piece of paper out right now. Yeah. Because there's going to be some detailed equations, and afterward, there will be a quiz. Yes. Chuck, I I tend normally to lean more toward um, AP, the Associated Press, over USA Today for accuracy and reporting, right? Yeah. But I looked at the um, NCAA football rankings today, preseason, Uh uh, and... I saw that USA Today has Georgia ranked 21, whereas AP has Georgia ranked 23. So I'm leaning toward USA Today's reporting today. Yeah, they both have Tech ranked higher, too. Yeah. It it doesn't matter. Let Tech get in the number one spot, and then come Thanksgiving, we'll knock them out of it. Well, we'll see. It's one of the great joys in my life when we have a terrible season. But we may have a good season. It remains to be seen. I can't say anything. I don't even know who our starting quarterback is going to be. Is it Aaron Murray?
0: Yeah, it's Aaron Murray. Ann freshman. Murray? Ann Murray, freshman. Aaron, Ann
1: Murray's <laughs> like, try to catch me now. I wonder where she'd been. I think she's been in the same place for several years. Athens? No. No. Is she dead? I think so. Oh, jeez. We should probably look that up, though, <laughs> too. Right. Ann Murray, if you're not dead, we apologize. We have greatly exaggerated your uh, lifeness. So, Chuck, before the BCS, right? Yeah, there was a straight line in a John Travolta movie, and I can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth. Where? But <laughs> why are you so weird? <laughs> Is that it? That's that's my impression. No, the um, that movie was Michael, I think it was, where he played like a a kind of down to earth angel who liked yeah. drugs and boozing and womanizing. I saw that. You saw it. Okay, so it was like kind of a cute movie, but there was one thing that he said that I've always thought was very clever was that he told somebody in that movie that he invented lines. And before then, people were just standing around, like, bumping into each other and didn't know what to do. That's funny. So I kind of have the same impression of college football seasons and their end – Pre BCS. Everybody's kind of bumping into everybody else. There was yeah. a distinct possibility that you had a number of teams claiming the number one spot and no way to resolve that. And, yeah. you know, we humans are very much into saying, you are clearly number one. And the BCS, while it had a rocky start at first, has kind of fulfilled that spot, right? It's got a pretty good um, uh, record the last six or ten years, right?
0: Well, according to the BCS.
1: And ESPN.
0: Yeah, well, we might as well go ahead and say um, the BCS claims that in the 12 years since it's been around, they are 12 for 12 according to their formulas, and they are uh, 9 for 12 according to, like, coaches' polls as far as matching up the two best teams to play for the national title. Right. And previous to that, like you said, for decades— teams played each other in bowl games right. and then sports writers voted on a national champion which is kind of made up it's beyond ridiculous if you think the BCS is ridiculous
1: that's even more ridiculous yeah and um well let's talk about how the BCS is calculated right well what are what are the BCS there's 5 games before there were 25 bowl games is that correct uh there're 29 games aside
0: from the BCS games Bef- before or now now there's 29 uh Excluding the BCS games.
1: Okay, but before, I understand that there were like 25 bowl games, okay, and they were all important right? because there was no BCS.
0: Well, important to varying degrees.
1: Right, but it's almost like playing musical chairs with eight kids but with nine chairs, you know? Yeah. So um, the BCS comes in and says, hey, we're going to make sure that a clear winners established, and we're going to do so by establishing that we're going to say these bowl games are actually the important ones, right? And they are what?
0: They are. The uh, Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. And they all have different sponsors that kind of change yeah. year in and, and year. And we're
1: out. not paid by any of them, so we're not going to mention, huh?
0: Well, three of the four of these in this article are wrong. That's how much they've changed. Wow. You know? Yeah. I think Tostitos is the only one that's still actively sponsoring the Fiesta Bowl.
1: Right. And the, um, there's big money involved in these things, right? There's payouts that go directly to the schools involved. And then also to their conferences, right? Yeah. Should we break that down? Let's do it. How that works? Yeah. Uh, Last
0: year, the payout for the national title game was $17 million per team. So 30, what is that? Four? Uh (laughs) 34 million bucks. Uh, But the team doesn't get all of that. Uh, It is split. Uh, You get a participation fee. And then after the uh, participation fee is taken out, the rest of the money is split among all the teams in the conference. Right. So the SEC is loaded with talent. Yeah. They send, let's say, eight teams to bowls. So that's a lot of money coming to schools like Vanderbilt and Kentucky yeah. that may not go to
1: a bowl. So they well, love it. I think I, I probably already know the answer to this, right? But are you one of those people who, when George is not in a game, you still root for the SEC?
0: I root for all SEC teams except for Florida. Thank you. And – uh Boy, Tennessee is tough for me to get I behind. I
1: trouble rooting for Tennessee as well.
0: But if it was like Tennessee versus USC, I
1: would certainly root for Tennessee. Hmm. But I can never root for Florida no matter what happens. No, I can't either, Chuck, and I'm glad to hear you say that. I also have trouble rooting for Tech. Mm. Some people are like, well, it's a Georgia team, so if Georgia's not playing, then I root for Tech, and I'm like, you're a communist. I don't root for Tech. Uh, they're sort of neutral. Like I root for their
0: basketball team because hmm. I liked them back in the day, but... Not not for football. Gotcha. And my brother works there, so i got to keep it on the, you know, up and up.
1: That's very nice of you. Yeah. Keep it in the family. Yeah. So, Chuck, uh, what should we talk about next?
0: <laughs> well, the BCS is um, is not a, a body. It's an event uh, which consists of these football games, and it it's managed by the um bowl the BCS subdivision conferences and these are the the big boys.
1: Right, but do not you get the and I was surprised to hear this there's a an ESPN article that you sent me uh, giving it background. Yeah. background of the BCS and it said like a 2010 or 2009 poll showed 73% of NCAA coaches favor keeping the BCS in place over a playoff, right? Yeah. That kind of flies in the face of information that I've had like anecdotally, you know? That's... I mean, I don't, I've never asked Mark Rick, you know, right. on the spot, but I, I, I get the impression that there's a lot more people that want playoffs than don't. Well, fans, and the, for sure. Definitely. And that the BCS is something of an entity. Yeah. And it's not just, you know, this, this panel that's, you know, created by this democracy. Right. That it's more like an iron fist, and if you don't like it, they'll you'll be crushed. Is that not the case?
0: Uh, well, they say they're not an entity, but I bet they have an office.
1: I'll bet they do, too. And I bet people
0: work there. And I'll bet there's just desks.
1: Iron desks. <laughs> or their iron fists.
0: Uh, I should note, though, I did say that it, the uh, BCS conferences were who make up this this uh, body. Uh, I, we also have to include Notre Dame in there because yeah. they actually get to vote.
1: Although you don't include Notre Dame as much as you used to.
0: No, I mean, they're still in there, though. They get their participation included um, as an independent, as does Army and Navy, which is interesting, too.
1: Yeah, it, Notre Dame gets... Th- Three votes, and Army and Navy get one each, right?
0: Well, that's votes for, um, those are nominations for the Harris Interactive uh, football poll.
1: Okay. It,
0: this is going to be all over the
1: place. <laughs> it is, but it's okay. We're making sense so far. I mean, the BCS came around in 98. It established that there's five bowls. We sent the bowls, right? Well, yeah, but four plus the national title game. Right. And uh, it's not just like, okay, here's the rankings and then the season's over. So one versus two, you go play two versus three, you go yeah, play three versus or four versus five. It, it doesn't happen like that, but that's kind of counterintuitive until you realize that the BCS algorithm is the most complex algorithm ever created by man. Yeah. And it's actually composed of a number of different algorithms spitting out numbers, and then those numbers are factored in. Yeah. So I think, Chuck, we put it off long enough, and we can't any longer. Let's talk mathematics and <laughs> statistics, okay?
0: Yes. Uh, you're going to have to explain some of this, but um, because math is not my strong well, suit.
1: talk about the subjective polls. How was, about that? I
0: was told there would be no math.
1: I'll, I'll try to <laughs> handle the math as best as possible, but it's going to be like that one kind of uh, breathalyzer that I thought I understood.
0: Well, uh, things have changed, Josh, uh, since 1998. Um, It was originally the BCS was set up a certain way, and then in 2002 and 2004, a lot of changes took place. Uh It used to be um, four factors that weighed into the BCS ranking, and now there are only three factors. The AP, I'm sorry, the USA Today uh, Coaches Poll. Right. The AP poll was replaced um, before the 2004 season, I think. By the Harris Interactive Poll. Right. And then the last third is uh, a very complex computer ranking system. Uh, An average of six uh, computer rankings are averaged, and that is the last 33 and a third percent.
1: Right. And these um, computer rankings are basically independent groups or people who say, yeah, we're following football and we have a pretty good algorithm, and uh, here's our contribution. Um, There used to be, I think, eight Yeah. And now they're six. Um, so you've got guys like Richard Billingsley, who's just a businessman. Yeah, I love it. And apparently likes to, to come up with college rankings in his spare time. They're statisticians and mathematicians, right? And businessmen. And businessmen. Yeah. So weird. It is weird. Maybe his business is accounting. But um, So they'll, they'll take into account, for example, the Billingsley report uses the strength of the opponent, final score, um, and the win lose records of the teams before and after the game, right? Yeah. Combine all these together and you create a numerical value. Right. Right. Some other people, or some other, um, computer, uh, rankings systems like, um, who else is there? Seattle Times, which is run by a guy named Jeff Anderson, who's uh-huh. a political science graduate student or was. Wow. Now I guess he's just a political scientist. Yeah. Um, and Chris Hester, who's a sports writer. And um, these two get together, and they take quality of opponent and strength of schedule. Right. The problem is, Chuck, is you can't just go, yeah, Boise State's doing pretty good, so we're going to give them a five for strength of schedule or strength of opponent or quality of opponent, that kind of thing. Um, what What they have to take into account are wide factors like, let's say you win. Yay! It's not just good enough that you're going to win, right? Who exactly did you beat, and how do you quantify who you beat? Well, you say, and where would you play? Right. So we have to look at your not only your opponent's schedule, right, but your opponent's opponent's schedule. Yeah. And then you you put numerical values onto those, right? Right. The win loss. Yeah. And then you calculate that. And you come up with a, another numerical value. That's called strength of schedule. Right. And to get down to the nitty gritty, the strength of schedule is calculated like this you've got your opponent's schedule. So, yeah. Chuck, you play Boise State. Boise State's been doing pretty good. I'm not playing there, dude. So, you won't catch me on a blue football field. You won't. Well, they came <laughs> and visited you. Okay. But you beat them. As I would. Between the hedges. So, you've got um, two times SO, and SO is your opponent's schedule, Boise State schedule. Yeah you've got two times that plus their Boise State's opponent schedules all of them right calculated to wins and losses right so it's two times your opponent schedule plus Boise State's opponent schedules equals strength of schedule okay that's just one component in some computer rankings yeah and strength of
0: schedule i think used to be a standalone component but now it's just factored in with the rest And they also threw out the uh, margin of victory. That used to be a factor as well. But they, you know, remember that was a big deal when coaches were running up the score. Mm -hmm. Florida would try and put like 60 points on a team, you know, against like Louisiana Lafayette. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were like, you know what, that's not really too cool. That really shouldn't factor in. So that was thrown out.
1: Right. The Scripps-Howard poll, which I don't think is used any longer, um, used to have a penalty actually for running up the score. Before oh, really? it was thrown out, yeah. Part of their computer ranking was if you ran up the score, you were penalized, which is good because guys like Steve Spurrier used to need to be held in check. Now he's holding himself in check.
0: Look at you. <laughs> That's good. So is that all for the computer ranking third, or you still got something on that? No, I think I'm, I'm good. Okay. Uh, then you have, uh, like I said, uh, one third is the um, USA Today uh, coaches poll, and that is literally... Coaches uh, voting. Um, not all of them always vote. I think there's 114 uh, potential votes, but there may be 106 people vote one week. Right. I remember Steve Spurrier got some uh, uh, criticism at one point because like he failed to vote in like some really important week a couple of years back or something like that. Hmm. And he explained that he did, and his assistant lost the vote or something like that. I can't remember what it was. But uh, that is factored in as well. They still don't divide by the same number. You know, they'll they'll factor it down. By the
1: number of votes, not the number of possible votes. Yes. Okay. To make Um, it more accurate. I've also heard accusations that in coaches' polls uh, specifically, they have their kids vote sometimes. Like They just can't be bothered to vote. So they'll just be like, fill this out for me, will you? Because they know their kid watched some games or whatever. And that that's why human polls are so fallible- a lot of coaches don't vote, and the coaches that appear to have vote haven't necessarily voted themselves. And even if they have, they're not completely informed because, you know. The
0: TCU horned frogs. I like frogs. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's how
1: it ends up. Yes. Well, that's how TCU ended up in the uh, top 25 ever. I guess so, because of Ralph Wiggum. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you
0: have the Harris Interactive poll, and that, um, like I said, replaced the AP poll. And they rank them each week, uh, from late September through the end of the season. And I'm sorry, that has 114 participants. That was the 114 I was thinking of. Yeah. And, um. Sorry, I didn't correct you. Right. And they're not just coaches. They're former coaches, uh, student athletes, administrators, some media. Mm-hmm. And that is where Notre Dame gets to say, because you get to nominate who is on this committee to vote for the interactive poll. And each conference, See, this is where Notre Dame gets away with something, in my opinion. Each conference gets 10 nominations, mm-hmm. and Notre Dame gets three, Army gets one, and Navy gets one. Yeah. So like the Big 12, 12 teams get 10 nominations. Notre Dame gets three all by themselves.
1: Right. Right. And Notre Dame's always gotten some sort of weird free ride for some reason. <laughs> Boy, we're going to hear about it. Yeah, but still, <laughs> I mean, it's true. They, there's a lot of favoritism toward that team, and I, I dare anybody to prove otherwise.
0: Well, they haven't been great recently, but they are. So are they still one of the still most
1: favored. One of the most legendary teams. I guess. I know. Just because Ronald Reagan played for you doesn't mean you're a great team in 2010, you know?
0: Hey, you're preaching the choir, my friend.
1: So, Chuck, when you... Take these things together, the Harris Interactive poll, the coaches' poll, and the computer rankings numbers that you crunched together and created one number. That's a third, a third, and a third. Yeah. Right? Um. The most you can get is one, correct? Yeah. A 1.0. Yeah, Actually, it, a 1.000. The lowest
0: score. You're looking for a low score here, right? Low score means high ranking.
1: This is where it gets a little hinky. Is it? <laughs> Sorry to steal your word, but <laughs> in the article, word. it explicitly says- that you want the lowest score, right? Yes. But in this other material that we've gotten from the BCS site, it looks like the 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 higher the score, the closer to a 1.0, the the higher you're ranked. Here's why I say that, Chuck. Um in in the coaches poll, right? Coaches vote from 1 to 25. Right. And assign each team a uh, ranking. In reverse order. So if you're number one, you get 25 points. If you're in 25th place, you get one point, right? Right. So you would want more points, correct?
0: Yeah, but here's here's where I think it gets worked out. If I'm correct in understanding this, what happens is, let's take the Harris poll, for instance. Okay. You take the total score of all your votes and you divide that by 2,850, which is the maximum number that anyone can receive if all 114 voting members rank that same team number one. So let's say everybody ranks Alabama number one, right. all 114. Right. That They get 2,850 total points. They divide that by 2,850 and so they end up getting a one.
1: Does that okay. make sense? Okay, so if you got um, if you divided, I guess, what? One? If you had a one and you divided that by 2,850 I see, it'd be much lower. Right, and the so coach the s- coach's poll
0: is the same thing. They just divide it by 1475 because that's the maximum number. Okay,
1: so at least I'm right in saying that the best you could possibly get from the BCS formula is a 1.0. I believe so. That's how it works. And it kind of follows that same thing. Like you have a 1 and anything less would be like a .920 or .873, right? Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. A plus B plus C Divided by three would be .973. Right.
1: Okay. So Okay. All right. Man, see, this is really confusing. It's like giving birth to a watermelon except with your head. A square Japanese watermelon, which would be even worse. Yeah. Especially if it, the edges were sharp. So, ladies,
0: when you're like, you know, if you're not into this, I'm not saying that not all ladies are into it, but whoever's not into college football and you poo-poo it, think about how complex the system is that they've worked out. It's not just a bunch of guys sitting around drinking beer- Smashing each other's heads in. It's
1: very complex. Right. But, I mean, to the guys who are sitting around smashing each other's heads in with beer being drunk around them, yeah, it's still like I'm ranked 23rd. Yeah, true. <laughs> you know? Okay, so Chuck, sounds like we made it through the math part. Yeah. What else is left?
0: Uh... Well, that's sort of it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the year, the uh, the math determines your ranking. And we should point out that the BCS ranking, which determines who plays in these BCS bowls and national title uh, game, that doesn't start getting ranked. They don't do like preseason rankings or even early season. That starts in mid-October.
1: Right. The preseason rankings are AP and USC today.
0: Yeah. Right. And all sorts of other rankings. You know, there's all kinds of people that Yet rank.
1: The BCS can't. Conceivably, start because the computer rankings have to take in like strength of schedule, yeah. and you can't you can't determine that until somebody has a win or a loss against them, right? Uh, Unless you're ranking by last year, right? Yeah, exactly. So mid October is when the BCS rankings
0: start to come out, and that's about halfway through the football season. So they have enough data at that point. I think that's why they
1: wait. Gotcha. So Chuck used to be the uh, NCAA football league, the conference, the whole thing was called Division 1A, and now it's called the Football Bowl Subdivision Programs, right. whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you feel like uh, we should have a playoff? Uh, oh, boy.
0: I think that they should work a playoff system into the existing system somehow. And a I, lot I a lot of people think that.
1: I agree. I don't think that there should be like... Um, wild cards or anything like that, although I think you need them mathematically. But I, I think that you have to still place an emphasis on the regular season, and it's possible to do that with with a playoff system as well.
0: Yeah, that's one of the arguments against a playoff, is that they. some people say that it'll render the regular season, BCS supporters say it'll render the regular season not as important. And I don't understand that logic, because you still have to play those games to get ranked high, to get... Right. In the tournament. Right. They're not. it's not like the basketball. They're not going to include 64 football teams. Right. They're going to, I mean, I've heard different proposals from like 16 teams to like the final eight teams, mm-hmm. battle it out. Final eight teams would be fine with me. Anything. Yeah. Anything where you determine it on the football field would be fine with me. Because it's the only sport right. that it's not determined by a bracket of some sort and or one a playoff.
1: Of, one of the reasons why it, we may never see a playoff is that the um, revenue associated with uh, bowl games has increased by, like, 2,000% since BCS was instituted. So,
0: Well, I think you can still wor- work within that system. I mean, you can still call them bowl games and everything. It, you could just put it in the form of a bracket. Right. Uh, it would add games, which would add more money. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason against it, they argue, is the like, risk of injury in their student-athletes, so right. they don't want to drag it on into their academic year. But come on. <laughs> I mean, it's all about the dough. Yeah. It's just college athletics, but everyone knows it's about the money. Yeah. Um I did read uh, um I read a few arguments today like for and against and one writer uh I think he was from Slate he calculated from his calculations um he he thinks only 17% of NCAA uh Division 1A teams even have a shot to compete for the national title by his calculation each year. How? Well, if you're not a BCS school then you're kind of out the door to begin with. Okay. Like, Boise State may have a chance that they run the table this year, but that's a rarity. So that takes you down to 43%. And then he says, uh, if you don't start the season ranked number 20 or higher, then you're almost mathematically eliminated. Huh. So that takes you down to 17% can even compete for the national title. Gotcha. But I also say, I mean, there's both sides to the coin there. I also say, if you're, you know... Uh, I'm not going to pick on Boise State cuz they are a good football <laughs> team but let's say you're like Colorado Tech
1: Appalachian State who beat yeah. Michigan that what 2 years ago remember that a season oh, yeah. opener that was awesome they and Michigan paid them like a million dollars to come to Michigan to I let know. Michigan pound on them and Appalachian beat check Michigan to write. <laughs> but uh teams like that
0: I mean I kind of don't want to hear their argument that they should be competing because they're not big boys they're not playing in the SEC they're not playing in uh the Big Ten or the Big Twelve,
1: yeah. But if you're not, then you'll never attract talent. And you can never get there. It's a self defeating system. Yeah. So I mean, it's very uh, exclusive and elitist, really. The well, mon- that's true. The, the schools with the most money are the ones that get to be in it and can perpetuate that that good program, the winning program, through more and more money. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you're right. I did see another uh, guy that said that he thought they should do like, um, I think it was a 16 team pool, and and the top. Uh, 12 BCS schools like you get your automatic if you win the SEC you're in if you win the Big Ten you Mm -hmm. win if you win the Big 12 you're in Mm -hmm. so after all your automatic bids make the rest like the last four or whatever at large bids so you can still have the Cinderella teams in there with the possibility and you know answer it on the football field if you can beat them great because Boise State beat Oklahoma a few years ago remember in that bowl game sure of course, the, uh, I remember the uh, the Statue of
1: Liberty play. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. They pulled out a play from like the 1940s. It was beautiful. And one that was, um, I think, was it two, three years ago? It was like the greatest football season of all time. It was just all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Remember, um, uh, Missouri was like number one for a little while. There was like 20 different teams that were number one. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It was like three years ago, right? It yeah, was, it's like, not very exciting. Season. Like
0: when you start the season number one and you run the table, unless yeah. you go to that school. Yeah. Uh, we should mention too, though there was one change about, um, geez, just about a month ago, uh, the BCS announced that teams that are ineligible for postseason play are removed from the computer rankings, in all six of the formulas. So basically, this is like the USC rule. Oh yeah, yeah, because USC is on probation now; they can't uh, play in a bowl game for the mm-hmm. next like two years or something. Mm-hmm. And so they said, "Well, we can't factor them in if they're the number eight ranked team. Mm-hmm. If they can't even play in the postseason,
1: right? But not only that, if you're not eligible, I got the impression like once you've reached, once it's statistically impossible for you to be eligible through your losses, right? They start taking you out of the rankings, and everybody below you goes up one rank. No, I think if you, I think that means if you're ineligible from like crime, yeah, from from
0: being banned from postseason play. Gotcha. Okay. I'm pretty sure." And as far as the co- the, the human polls go, uh, they said earlier this summer that the polls will not include teams that are prohibited uh, from the NCA. So they, they went the same route. Right. Well, so,
1: bye-bye, USC. And there is the BCS. We could re-record this in probably 20, 30 minutes, and um, it would be entirely different. Yeah. Um, if you want to know more about the BCS, you should probably go to uh, bcs.com there's a handy search bar there i'm sure and just give us a little while to get this article up to snuff okay
0: yeah we probably got something wrong here and there too i was just oh, I'm hoping quite we, sure i hope we talked fast enough so where no one noticed
1: i have um in my head uh, my friend scott galvin uh-huh. um with his arms crossed just like shaking his head <laughs> he's in the sound booth right behind you actually i could I c- <laughs> feel it actually all right well uh thanks for listening to me and chuck talk about college football um For whatever reason you want to, you should go to HowStuffWorks.com. There's a handy search bar there. Make something up and type it in, and it will take you to a beautiful new place. Just spell it correctly or else it won't take you anywhere, right? Yeah. Um, That brings us then, I guess, to listener mail.
0: Yes, Josh, this is going to be a two-parter because it's long. We heard from a prisoner uh, about our prison email, and he gave us lots of good stuff, and I told him I was going to read it. It's anonymous because he is a straight shooter now. He's on the level, doing very good in his uh, profession. He's square? He's square, and nobody in his profession knows that he was arrested for dealing meth, and so uh, he wants to keep it that way. Does he work here? Yes, he does. (laughs) It's Jonathan Strickland. (laughs) Uh, Guys, I was arrested in the mid-90s for selling an ounce of meth to an undercover narc in Nevada. I was set up by a friend who had gotten arrested on a similar charge, decided that he would snitch, roll over and uh, some uh, some people, so they would get probation. Unfortunately, under Nevada's zero-tolerance policy, I uh, had no priors, I was 22, and I was looking at 25 to life for my first offense.
1: Did he include uh in
0: there, or was that you? That was me. Okay. To make it long story short, I jumped bail, ran to Oregon, and lived on the lamb for three years. <laughs> this dude is the real deal. This sounds like Hippie Rob. It is not Hippie Rob. Uh, he got tired of living life on the lamb, obviously, Hired a lawyer, turned himself in like a good guy, wow. and managed to get uh, the charges dropped to level two trafficking. Entered a plea deal, and the long, uh, long story short, he was in for I think three years. Uh, and I just have a couple of prison tidbits on this end, and then we'll do the next part in the next podcast. Okay. He was not in a new prison that had the cards to keep track of commissary accounts. They were given paper slips, sort of like at a sushi restaurant, and we would turn them in once or twice a week. We would pick up our order in the next day or so. Items available were uh, personal hygiene items, toothpaste, deodorant, shampoo. If you could not buy your own, you could get the state-issued stuff, but that stuff was absolute garbage. And I should mention, too, we got another email from someone that said that Bob Barker's company... is just looking that up. ...makes prison soap. Yeah. Is that true? I, I, I'm i looking it up as we right. speak. Hopefully, at the end of this, you'll know, because that would be really weird. Get your pet spayed and neutered and... I will make your prison soap for you. <laughs> uh, cigarettes were available, both packs of cigarettes like Camel and Marlboro, as well as loose tobacco and rolling papers. Packs of cigarettes were called tailors, short for tailor made. They were expensive and out of reach for most inmates uh, financially. Having tailors was a status symbol, and their rarity made them great bargaining chips. Interestingly, most gray market trading, he reserves the term black market for contraband, were items purchased out of the commissary. Uh, things you could get with purchased commissary items for trade were limited only by the creativity of the inmates. For example, a pack of cigarettes a week, you could pay somebody to iron your clothing for you so you would always look as nice as possible for visits. If you wanted to write somebody a letter, you could pay one of several talented artists to custom decorate your envelope with roses or balloons or whatever else you could imagine. Basically, it was like on-demand customary stationery, and it was actually a high-service demand in prison. Huh. So that is the end of part one. Josh, we're going to leave him hanging for part two.
1: Okay, so Chuck, do you want the answer about Bob Barker? Gravely. There is a guy named Bob Barker who makes prison toiletries. But he's not. Not Bob Barker <laughs> okay. of Price is Right. <laughs> according to Snopes, at least. Uh, okay. So uh, thank you very much, Chuck, for part one. I, myself, am very excited about part two, and I'm glad I don't have to wait until next Thursday. To hear it. I get to hear it in about 30, 40 minutes. Exactly. Uh, if you want to send us an email about Bob Barker, your favorite college football team, or your mom's home cooking, we want to hear about it. Send it to StuffPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the houseofworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready, Are you?